Amen. As we continue our way through the Gospel of John, I find myself stuck on just John 8, verse 12. And so hear the word of our God. Then Jesus spoke to them again, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, as your word is proclaimed and preached, then by your spirit, give us the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you. Enlighten us to the hope of your calling in us, the riches of our inheritance in Christ, and the exceeding greatness of your power in our lives. We pray you would do this to the glory of your name as you lift up the name of your Son, even Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. <clears throat> well, as I said, this, uh, this verse, short as it is, um, is packed, and it is, it's a culmination of so much of the Old Testament, so many verses, and then it, it shines light on so much more with regard to the life of a Christian that I just, I just couldn't pack it into a whole section, um, and I won't even be able to, to, to handle all that is really before us in this verse, but see if you would join with me in in thinking about this verse, thinking about what Jesus said and meant and the impact that it has upon all of the world because of it. In Isaiah 9, verse 2, Isaiah writes, The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of the shadow of death, upon them a light has shined. Jesus would use this and many other prophecies from Isaiah to declare, as would the gospel writers then, to declare that these verses, this declaration of a sudden light all over the world, a sudden light that would go forth to all of the world, was in fact taking place when Jesus Christ began his ministry, and certainly in his death, burial, resurrection, ascension to heaven, and now reign over all of heaven and earth. So these prophecies foretold a world that was lost in utter darkness, in the shadow of death, Isaiah says, all nations walking in this darkness, Jew and Gentiles alike, and suddenly seeing light. Now Paul is going to use a similar, Paul's going to use similar language, but he's going to, he's going to talk about um, and connect creation language with, what, with a creation that has taken place in our hearts in 2 Corinthians 4.6. Listen to these words. For it is God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who is shown, shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. And if you remember, we are at the end of the Feast of Tabernacles, chapter 6 and 7, and then here coming into 8. In that Feast of Tabernacles, the Jews would set up huge lamps in the evening, high up in the courts of the temple, large, giant candelabras, um, that would be lit up and the entire temple and then out to the city would be lit um, with these, with these uh, lamps that were lit. And they would, they would um, burn through the night while the temple light shone, just as the cloud and pillar of fire had in the wilderness. You see, they were celebrating the Feast, it was the feast of Tabernacles. They were celebrating how God had delivered them um, through 40 years wandering through the wilderness. And how had he led them? Well, he'd led them with a pillar of fire and a cloud of his presence, his Shekinah glory. And they followed that. Well, this is part of what this celebration that then went on during this, this, this eight-day celebration of the Feast of Tabernacles. Just after this feast, 
or possibly um, written after the feast situation uh, or the narrative in chapter 6 and 7, but maybe possibly taking place right even in that last evening, Jesus, back in the temple, declares, I am the light of the world. I am the light of the world. And of course, when he says the I am, this is one of the I am statements that we'll find throughout the Gospel of John. Um, I am is, is, is the declaration of Jehovah's name, of Yahweh's name. When we sing Jehovah, by the way, that's just anglicized Yahweh. Um, Jehovah Yahweh. Um, Yahweh is the name of God, the name of the covenant God. And Jesus uses this declaration to, to, to talk about himself seven times at least, seven times explicitly in the Gospels, in, in the Gospel of John. Actually, it's alluded to several more times. And, and the, the big one is really coming at the end of this chapter. We'll get there another day. But uh, we'll get there where, where Jesus says right before all of these Pharisees, um, before Abraham was, I am. That's not a grammar problem. That's a declaration of, of who he is. So Jesus makes this declaration, I am the light of the world. He who spoke and light came into the world then. He who spoke and light came into the world is the light of the world, the light that enlightens all men to the glory of the salvation of mankind through Jesus. This is what Jesus is declaring, and it runs deep and broad and wide. Well, this verse, as I mentioned, comes immediately after the story of of, of the scene of tabernacles and immediately following the story of the exploitation of a woman in order to trap Jesus. We looked at that last Lord's Day, verses 1 through 11 in chapter 8. This woman who is uh, supposedly caught in adultery, and everybody has witnessed it, but nobody's coming forward and nobody's bringing a man who's also been caught in adultery, which would be required if you were going to faithfully follow the law. And you have these Pharisees who are challenging whether or not Jesus is going to faithfully follow the law, who themselves are doing anything but that. It's hypocrisy all around. And it's hypocrisy at the expense and exploitation of this woman. These were not scrupulous men seeking to keep the holiness code, although they were appearing to be on the outside. They were filthy, self-serving, envious men who hated the light, and they hated the light that was shining right in front of them. Jesus would say these words to them later, recorded in Matthew 23. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you cleanse the outside of the cup and dish, but inside they are full of extortion and self-indulgence. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you're like whitewashed tombs, which indeed appear beautiful outwardly, but inside are full of dead men's bones and all uncleanness. Even so, you also outwardly appear righteous to men, but inside you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. Go to Jesus to learn how to win friends and influence people. (laughs) Jesus speaks the truth sharply into this situation. He hates hypocrisy and the darkness that shrouds men in hypocrisy. So um, this, is, this is who Jesus knows he's dealing with, and, and we saw how he dealt with him in those verses. But I, I, want, I want you to think, one of the ways to understand what we're talking about when we talk about light is to compare it to what the scriptures also tell us about darkness, Darkness and light are all throughout the scriptures, but it's not just about lights off, lights on. There's, there's, there's a whole component uh, or many components of, of the way of life, the, the, what this declares, what is this actually showing us? And so to understand the nature of light and life and salvation, remember Jesus says, um, he says, 
He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. This is light which brings forth life. And in order to understand that, we should see what the Bible teaches us about darkness. Darkness is the province of ignorance and folly. It's the province of ignorance and folly. Uh, Psalm 82, they do not know, nor do they understand. They walk about in darkness. Or Micah 3.6, this is um, a prophecy of no more prophecies that are going to come. God's leaving Israel. It says, therefore, you shall have night without vision, and you shall have darkness without divination. The sun shall go down on the prophets, and the day shall be dark for them. I'm going, it, everything's going dark. No more word from God. That's what is being said. So darkness is this province of ignorance. We don't know, we don't understand, and the folly that comes forth from it. The world is dark in that, I'm sorry, dark in, in that it is lost in ignorant worldviews, superstition, and foolishness. So the, these false religions all around us, these um, incompetent worldviews, that don't, that don't actually work, that fall in within themselves, are the result of men in darkness trying to build society. And God gives us over to this darkness. Well, darkness is also the way of evil and fear, Proverbs 2, from those who leave the paths of uprightness to walk in the ways of darkness. And Proverbs 4.19, the way of wickedness is like darkness. They do not know what makes them stumble. And evil tyrants lead by keeping people in fear, by keeping them away from the light. Do not tell them the truth. That's what tyrants do. They do not tell the truth because they want to keep people in fear, and they want to keep people walking in the evil that they want them committing. Darkness is a city of injustice and bondage, Isaiah 59. Therefore, justice is far from us, nor does righteousness overtake us. We look for light, but there is darkness. For brightness, but we walk in blackness. Or Psalm 143. For the enemy has persecuted my soul. He has crushed my life to the ground. He has made me dwell in darkness, like those who have been long dead. Darkness is a city of injustice and bondage. Think of the latest black uh, uh, batman movies darkness is a seat of judgment and wrath as well a seat of judgment and wrath the wrath of god for samuel he will guard the feet of his saints but the wicked shall be silent in darkness for by strength no man shall prevail zephaniah one that day is a day of wrath a day of trouble and distress, a day of devastation and desolation, a day of darkness and gloominess, a day of clouds and thick darkness. Judgment. Matthew 22, in Jesus' parable of the king who says to the servants, bind him, bind him hand and foot, take him away, and cast him into outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Darkness is a metaphor for sin and the consequences of that sin. Darkness is not simply lights off. Darkness is a metaphor of sin and the consequences of that sin. Ignorance and fear, wickedness, bondage, misery, despair, hopelessness, judgment, and wrath. Darkness is a picture of all of that. Sin and the consequences of sin. Now, remember that also John opens his gospel, that prologue, that wonderful 18-verse prologue that you should constantly read over and over again as you go through the book of John. It's the table of contents. It's the summary. It's the thesis statement, verses 1 through 18. And in that, um, he writes, all things were made through him, 
and without him nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. And remember that word comprehend can also be translated could not overcome, could not overcome it. Don't forget that. So he says, in him was life, and the life, this, this life that was in Jesus, is the light of men. It's the light of men. Life in Jesus is the light of men. And so in the present darkness of this fallen world, light comes. And John's prologue takes us, reveals that to us. And, and John's prologue does it by taking us back to creation, by taking us back to Genesis in the beginning, right? In the beginning was the word. As soon as you hear that, you know this is in the beginning. That, well, that's the phrase of the beginning of creation in Genesis. In the beginning was the word, we're told. So we're, we're back to creation, and we immediately are in, in, introduced to the word who is God, who through, uh, through that word, all things were made that were made. So God says, um, in, back in Genesis, God says, let there be light. There is a first declaration of the word of God is let there be light. And there was light. And the darkness could not stop it. So when God makes light, when he creates light by, by the word of his power, when he creates light, the darkness could not overcome it. And God separates the darkness from the light. And, and here's, this is really interesting. There was light, but there was not yet any sun, which everybody tries to figure out, how in the world was that possible? There was light, but there wasn't any sun. But interestingly, that is the state of things in the consummation of the new creation as well, where we are told that the, the lamb is its light. There it says there's no sun. There's no sun. And it says there's no need for sun because the lamb is its light. And we're right back there without the need for placing light in some, something else because the lamb is there and the lamb is its light. So, again, we're not talking simply about physical illumination any more than darkness is simply the lack of such. In him was life. In, in him was light, and light was uh, life, and life was the light of men. And anyone who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. So, um, and we have, we have going on here not just this de declaration of, of light and not darkness, but how this light is transformative in hearts and in cultures. Uh, Revelation 21 again goes on and says, And the nations of those who are saved, the nations of those who are saved, shall walk in its light, the light of the Lamb of God shall walk in its light, and the kings of the earth bring their glory and honor into it. That is the new temple. So this declaration of the new Jerusalem, and in this picture of the glorious consummation, or the ongoing work towards consummation, because we have nations here, and the kings, these kings of the nations, bringing forth their treasures, their glory, to the Lamb, and they're doing so before his throne, and they're doing so with... Um, uh, in, in the light of that lamb, there's no need for light in that city. The, the, light, the light that is there is transformative. It's changing the cultures. It's causing kings to bow the knee. It's causing nations to submit and come to the Lord. This corresponds to the second half then of our verse. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life, a transformative 
light, a light that, um, that changes everything. And again, I, I used this example uh, uh, before, but um, you know what it's like to be in a room and it's completely dark. I mean, absolutely dark. You can't see a thing. You can't see the hand in front of you. And, and then someone turns on a bright light. And, and it's not just that you can see, that you experience something like all through you. There's, like, there's, there's a, an, an experience, it's emotional, it's a physical experience of, wow, when that light comes. And, and I think that part of what we should see here is this, this transformative, changing power that light has upon us. And, and I mean more, again, than just lights coming on. I'm, I'm talking about, how can I talk about light without talking about Jesus? How can you talk about light without talking about God? Because God is light. God is light. Jesus says, I'm the light of the world. And in 1 John, John writes, this is the message which we have heard from him and declared to you that God is light. And in him is no darkness at all. God is light. God is not a light among many lights, nor is he simply a light bearer. And he is not, he's not like light. In other words, you have that experience in your room, and it's all dark, and the lights come on, and then I say, if I say to you, well, God's kind of like that. No, it's the other way around. That, that light that happened, that experience that you had of light coming on, is that's like God. God is light. Everything else is a subservient illumination, a reflection of God. The things that we learn as we watch light illumination, are things that are pointing us to God who is light. Don't, don't think of God as being like light. <laughs> no, no, illumination is like God. God is light. So even though he created light, Genesis 1-3, he is himself uncreated light. Every light that you experience is created light. God is uncreated light. Pre-existing, eternally existing light. He himself is this un, uncreated light. In the Nicene Creed that we recite, the church confesses Jesus Christ as God of God, light of light. If you ever wondered what we meant by when we said that, that's what we meant. Not that God is like light, but that God is light, that Jesus is light. He's the light of light. You know, you know him as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He is also the light of lights, the glory of all glory. God is light, and so he visited his people in the glory cloud as he delivers them out of, of the wilderness and in the pillar of fire. And this was symbolized in the lit lampstand of the tabernacle for the people of God and then later in the temple. Light is connected to bringing forth of life. Light is connected to bringing forth of life. How many of you are trying to start little seedlings right now? You're trying to grow some little seedlings, or you're growing some starts, and what do you need? Or you put some grass down. I remember this last year. Oh, my goodness. Put some grass down. What do you need? you got to have light, or there ain't no life. you got to have light, or there's not going to be life. So this is, this is all connected for us. The first word act of creation is let there be light. And so, Psalm 27 the Lord is my light and my salvation. I don't think the psalmist is saying two things. He's, he's using parallel language. The Lord is my light. That is, the Lord is my salvation. I was once in darkness and now I'm in light. I was once in death and now I am in life. The Lord is my light and my salvation. 
whom shall I fear? This light was to go forth to all the earth. The Lord's servant is given as a light to the Gentiles, Isaiah 49, as a light to the Gentiles, that you should be my salvation. There it is again, light and salvation. The servant is given as a light to the Gentiles that you should be my salvation to the ends of the earth. The bringing forth of light is the bringing forth of salvation. The revelation of the knowledge of God is something we are to be enlightened in by the work of his Holy Spirit so that we see life as we see light. In contrast, the darkness is a refusal to enter into the light, a refusal to acknowledge the truth of Jesus and his words. Darkness is a refusal to enter into that light. Jesus, well, actually, John, I believe, would, com- would comment on exactly this at the time that Jesus was speaking with Nicodemus, John three nineteen, And this is the condemnation, that the light has come into the world. And men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his deeds should be exposed. But he who does the truth comes to the light, that his deeds may be clearly seen that they have been done in God. Darkness is a place to hide. Darkness is a place to hide when you don't want to be found out. Darkness is a place where you, where you go, where you refuse to deal honestly with who you are and what you're doing. Teenagers and young, young people need to hear it more than almost anyone else. It's not a good thing to stay up late. What good thing can happen after midnight? Just about nothing it's, it's not a good thing to live your life in darkness. It is a good thing, this, Paul says this in Thessalonians, we are people of light, we're people of the day, and the darkness is gone, and we are to be people of the day. Now, of course, some of us, uh, providentially, moms have to get up in the night, middle of the night, all the time, right? Um, people have to work night shifts, that, I mean, it happens, but as a culture, as a society, as a people, and as much as it depends, as much as possible for you, be people of the day. And don't just be people of the day in terms of that kind of illumination. Be people of the day who walk in the light. Are you walking in the light? Are you walking in the light of salvation? Are you walking in the light of transformation? Are you walking in the light of Jesus changing you from the inside out? And everybody can see it because you're walking in the light. And it's all to the glory and praise of God, who is our life and who is our light. This is the transformative power. Jesus said, I'm the light of the world. He's not a light bulb. It's not talking about being a light bulb. He's talking about giving you life, life that you can walk in day in and day out. As, as sure as the sun comes up tomorrow, so tomorrow you can walk in the light of life of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then the next day, and then the next day, and as sure as that sun is going to cause the grass to grow as you watch it this spring, as sure as that, so the light of the gospel, the light of Jesus Christ is going to grow you up and change you from the inside out, as you walk in the light. Jesus is the light of the world. He's the light of the world. And everyone, anyone, he who follows me, shall not walk in darkness. It's not just, it's not just that you can't walk in the light um, if you're walking in the darkness. What he means is if you're walking in the light, you won't want to walk in the darkness. It's wonderful in the light. It's wonderful in the warmth of the sun. It's wonderful in the warmth and goodness of God's blessings in the light. And he is, and his people are, a light to the Gentiles to bring salvation all the way to the ends of the earth. 
So, so why do men not come into the light? Men love their evil deeds, John writes. They love their evil deeds, and this requires that they suppress the truth. It requires that they come up for ex- with excuses. It requires that they lie to others and lie to themselves because they want to hold on to that thing. They've got to keep it in the darkness so it's not exposed. It requires that they lie to themselves about the truth. And Paul writes about this in Romans. Listen, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Now, the truth that they're suppressing primarily in our text is suppressing that God is light and in him is life. That light is the life of men. That's what they're suppressing. No, it isn't. No, he isn't. He's not that good. I can't trust him. He's not my light and my salvation. And I'm afraid. I'm afraid of... I need to hold on to, I will, only be, I will only be satisfied if, and so therefore, I'm going to lie about God. I'm going to lie about Jesus, and I'm going to lie to myself about it, and I suppress the truth that I know. So, they suppress the truth in unrighteousness, because what may be known of God is manifest to them, for God has shown it to them as clear as the sun is in the sky. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. It is as clear as day, Paul is saying, because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts. There's the ignorance, there's the, um, uh, there's the foolishness that comes forth from being in the darkness. They became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man and birds and four-footed animals and creeping things. But our text makes clear that coming to God is to come to the light, and in him there is no darkness None at all. When we confess our sins, we are coming to the light. We've held those things in darkness. And we are called, we are convicted, we are brought by God's Spirit to come before God and honestly agree with Him. No, that's sin. That's wickedness. What I did, what I said, what I didn't do, what I didn't say, however I didn't obey you, was sin, was wickedness. It hurt my relationship with you, my fellowship with you, and it probably has hurt others as well. The sin and the consequences of sin are the darkness. And I confess the darkness before you, and God says, I can take care of all of it. Because Jesus is the light of the world. I can take care of all of it. Your sins are forgiven. Go. Get up. And walk in the light now. That's what he does for us. Instead, others, like Gollum, love to hold on to our precious I will not confess. I will not repent. I will crawl back into the darkness. And I will become uglier and more and more futile and foolish. And I will not follow the ways of God. It's a glorious, horrible picture that Tolkien gives us in Gollum. Peter writes in 2 Peter, But you are a chosen generation. Your chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, listen, 
that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. That's who you are. That's who we are. That's who y'all are. We are this people that are able to proclaim that God called us out of that darkness and into his marvelous light. The creation could not bring forth its own light, and neither can we. Neither can we be light nor come to the light except God speak the word. Let there be light. Let there be light in your heart. But when that sovereign, good, and merciful God shines that light in our hearts, darkness flees. Unbelief, ignorance, folly, judgment, spiritual death. And salvation is ours. Again, 2 Corinthians 4, 6. For it is God... For it is the God who commanded light to shine out of the darkness, that same God that commanded the light that we now see. It's, it's been placed in suns and stars, but it's, it's light that he created. That same God who just spoke, and, and there it is. That same God spoke, let there be light in your heart. That's what, that's what Paul's writing about to believers. That same God spoke with the same voice, with the same word, and he said, let there be light in you. That same God did that. For it is the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. It's, it's a miracle. It's a miracle that you know and love the Lord Jesus Christ. It is only because of his grace and kindness. It is only because of his mercy and goodness that you love the Lord Jesus and hate the darkness. And he has done that. He has done that through the giving of his word and by the power of his spirit. So, when that sovereign, good, and merciful God shines that light in our hearts, then darkness flees. And so we are to preach the light word, the light word. I am the light of the world. And then if you have a Bible, if you turn with me, I want you to see um, a very important application of this whole light-bearing, transformative work in Ephesians chapter 5. This is us. This is the people of God. Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 8, and I'll read through verse 14. For you, and um, I think it's important, it, it is true, it's you individually, but it's only you true individually because it's you and you and you and you and you. And Paul is writing to a church. And if we were good Southerners, we would say, but for y'all, because it's plural. For y'all, you were once darkness, but now you, you church, you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth, finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. So if you go, what does it mean to walk in the light? Well, there it is. The fruit of the Spirit is all goodness, righteousness, and truth, finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. Walking in the light is finding out whatever is acceptable in the Lord, and then walking in it. And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness. How much fellowship? None. It doesn't mean that you can't have non-Christian friends. It doesn't mean that you can't be working with a, a non-Christian doing, doing things. It that doesn't, doesn't mean that. It means you can't have fellowship with him. You can't enjoy the sweet fellowship of brothers, brothers and sisters in Christ with them. They aren't. They're walking in darkness. And so have no fellowship with them, partially so that they don't sway you into such darkness. 
Have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of those things which are done by them in secret. But all things that are exposed are made manifest by the light, for whatever makes manifest is light. Therefore, he says, awake you who sleep, arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. Those are the kinds of words that we should have, even to one another. Someone is playing around a little darkness around here. We go to them and we expose the darkness. Now, we don't expose the darkness um, out of, with a, a spirit of judgment, a spirit of uh, um, one-upsmanship. We, we, we're, we who are spiritual, it says in Galatians 6.1, we who know that we need our brothers to come and expose us too, we go and expose them out of love, leading them back out into the light and say, no, we can have no fellowship in the darkness. It shouldn't even be coming out of our lips. This is not who we are. This is what we do as children of the light. With that light in our hearts, illumination, regeneration, but also a moral compass with the spirit leading, we are commanded to live as we are, the new humanity, the children of light. We are living out what God is putting in, remaking us with the light of his word, with the light of Jesus Christ. So it says that Jesus says in, in John, I am the light of the world. But Jesus also says in Matthew chapter 5 that you are the light of the world. And again, it's plural. Y'all, the people of God, that holy priesthood, that this, this great nation, this people, you are the light of the world. Now, how is, it, how is it both? That Christ is the light of the world and you are the light of the world. Spurgeon writes these words. He says, Christ is still the light. He has sent the Holy Spirit to be his representative here on earth, although that light has now ascended to heaven. So he has sent the Holy Spirit to be his representative here on earth. He testifies of Christ. The divine paraclete, Spurgeon writes, occupies the place of our departed teacher. The church, inspired by the blessed spirit, with 10,000 tongues, proclaims the gospel of salvation. And so with the spirit in us, we are true light bearers. And in this way, our good works testify of Christ. Our good works testify of Christ. So Matthew 5.14 says, You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. And then he says in, in verse 16, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. It is possible to live in a world of darkness as light in such a way that people cannot help but see your light in your good works. There's something different about y'all. There's something different about your family. There's something different about the way you handle business. There's something different about the way you love one another. There's something different about the way you laugh with one another, the way you forgive one another, the way you celebrate together. There's something different about the way you handle life and trials and stress and anxiety. What is different about y'all? That's the light. That's the good works. That's the good works that they see. And right at that moment is the opportunity to give testimony. It is because of the light that is shown in my heart. It is because what the Lord Jesus says to me is not because of me. It's all because of the grace of God. His goodness and kindness overflows, and I cannot stop giving him praise. Because the Lord is my light and my salvation, and I don't fear anything. But it's all the grace of God and his goodness. And that is the good works. 
That's the good works that he's talking about. If you read the rest of Ephesians 5, you'd see that all those things I just talked about, being tender with one another, forgiving one another, speaking together one another with psalms and hymns and spirits, all of that's in Ephesians 5. That's what he's talking about. That's the good works that shine to the world. The world can't do. The world cannot live any kind of consistent way by, by the work of a spirit that is not in them. But he's in you. He's in us. If the light of Christ is shown in your heart, transformative, absolutely world-changing light that is shining in this world because God is shining through the church and you are the light of the world. The church is the testimony of light to the world. So in Isaiah 60, Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and deep darkness the people. But the Lord will arise over you, and his glory will be seen upon you. The Gentiles, the nations, shall come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your rising. How do we win the world for Jesus Christ? Shine like lights. Shine like the lights you are. And the Gentiles will come. The nations will come. The unbelievers will come. Your obedience before God will be a testimony to the world and they will come. Well, that's what the word says. Jesus Christ, the light of the world, is destined to shed his beams over the whole earth where kings and nations will come to his city, the new Jerusalem. That is us, the church. In days of darkness, in days of darkness, like the darkness that we are in, in many different ways, in our culture, in our land, in our city, in our state, in days of darkness, we must not forget the message of the light which overcomes. Voltaire, who uh, lived during the French Renaissance and then into the, uh, during the time of the, of the French um, rebellion uh, in, in the 18th century, a, a, a pagan, said in the 18th century that he lived in the twilight of Christianity. It was coming to an end. It was over. Christianity was over, Voltaire said, 18th century. What he thought, and what too many Christians think today, is that this is the twilight of Christianity also. And by that, we mean the twilight of evening. But it is not. Not according to the word of God. This is the twilight of morning. Yeah, there's still a lot of darkness. But this is the twilight of morning. Historians and history teachers, Providence Classical Christian School, centuries from now, We'll tell stories about the ancient church that we are a part of. They'll tell stories about the early church and how it struggled in its days of darkness. We live in the twilight of morning. The sun is rising. The light of the world has come, and it is going to shine all over the earth until kings bring their glory to the Son of God. What are we to do? Walk in that light. And as we walk in that light, you are changing the world. As you walk in that light, in the power of that transformative light, God is going to use those good works to glorify God by bringing more and more people to him. What do I have to do? What do I have to do to, to, to bring my neighbors, my friends my co-workers to Christ, the first thing, the very first thing you do is you walk in the light. You walk in the light, we walk in the light as the church. 
And as we do, God says, you're a city set on a hill. And it can't, everybody's going to notice. And they will ask. And he says, they will come. Jesus is the light of the world, and he's not a light of a smattering of the world. He is a light of the world, which is why we have been commissioned to disciple the nations, Matthew 28. And also why we are told that the gates of Hades will not prevail. Father God, Father of light, illumine our hearts and minds again by your Holy Spirit with Jesus, who is the light of the world, that we may be light to the world in our homes, in our places of business, among our family and friends, and to this city. For we ask it in Jesus' most powerful name. Amen.